Right, well, good morning. Uh, good morning to you guys. My name is Grant, one of the pastors here. Thankful to be here with you guys this morning. Uh, Luke, uh, he will be uh, bringing us our uh, message next week, so I invite you. want to uh, go ahead and talk about that. He's going to be talking about unity and why we should fight for it. Excited for um, his message that he's going to be sharing with us next week. Um, but today we're going to be wrapping up our message series in the book of Proverbs. We, we've been walking through this series called Practical Wisdom. Uh, and as we've gone through this, we've talked about a number of things. Wisdom uh, being one of them, fatherly advice, relationships, our work, humility and pride, our speech. And today we'll be talking about money. And everybody said, yeah. Um, and so I know what you're already thinking. Why can't we talk about money every week, Grant, right? Well, money talks, but it seems like all mine ever says is goodbye. Um, but here's why we talk about money. Here's why we talk about possessions, finances. Um, it is something that we all deal with every day. It's something that uh, involves every aspect of our lives, and we can't escape it. The Bible teaches us about money, finances, possessions, our wealth frequently because, because there's a direct correlation with the way we handle our money and our faith. A direct correlation with the way we handle our money and our faith. How we handle our finances is a very, a very practical way in us just loving God. It's a very practical way in us worshiping God. Uh, check out these stats. They're going to be up on the, uh, up on the screen. Um, 16 out of 38 of Jesus' parables deal with money. 16 out of 38. Uh, next stat says nearly 25% of Jesus' words in the New Testament deal with biblical stewardship about how to handle what God has given us. Get this, there are more than 2,000 verses on tithing, wealth, greed, finances, possessions. More than 2,000 verses. That is more than faith and prayer combined. Twice as many as faith and prayer combined. We hear about finances and money more so than we see heaven and hell in Scripture. It's a big deal. It's very, very important. God, I just pray that your word would speak this morning, that people here this morning would not hear my voice, but simply your voice and your word, God. As we sung about, that we would experience more like living for heaven on earth, God. Speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, if you will, go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter 15, verse 16. Uh, we're going to be going through a number of passages. All of these are going to be up on the screen. I invite you to follow along as much as you would like. Also, if you're watching from, uh, from online, we just want to say hey to you guys as well. Feel free to join in and follow along with whatever tablet or device or Bible you have nearby. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 16 says, Better to have little with fear of the Lord than to have great treasure and inner Turmoil. Better to have little with fear for the Lord than to have great treasure and inner turmoil. Now, the book of Proverbs is a book about wisdom. Right out of the gates from chapter 1, it says the purpose of Proverbs is to teach us wisdom and teach us discipline so that we would have disciplined and successful lives. So that we would have disciplined and successful lives. So church, plain and simple, may we be wise and be disciplined with our finances. I believe what we're talking about today changes you. 
it will change you, can change you. The Word of God speaks truth, and when we talk about finances, by all means, we want to look and see what the Word of God has to say about it. I believe it can change your marriage. I can believe, I believe it, it can change your family, the way you handle any and all things on your day-to-day basis, just simply by looking at the Word of God and seeing what it says about money. I've seen it take place. I've seen it take place in my own life, in other people's lives, just by simply looking at a dollar and saying, this is from God. Let's turn to the Word of God and look at what it says about how I should handle this. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 through 19 is going to be up on the screen. Verse 17 says, teach those who are rich. It's worth noting the median, the median meaning the average worldwide income is less than $2,000 per year. And so by all means, when we're talking about this, in terms of the world, we are very, very blessed, very fortunate, very wealthy in terms of what other people across our world make. It says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life, so that you may experience true life, so that you may experience this life that God wants you to have, to experience this life that God purposed for you. It brings us to... One of our first takeaways this morning, that's treasure God's word. So Grant, I thought you said we're talking about money. Are we talking about finances? Are we talking about possessions? And your first point is treasure God's word. Yes. That's because if we're going to know how to treasure money, we need to simply look at God's rule book, God's guide, God's uh, tool and instrument that he's given to us to understand and know how we should manage our finances. You're not going to send a 15-year-old off in a car driving for the first time and say, hey, bring it back without a scratch. That Camaro is going to have a few dents and uh, things inside of it. I don't know if you're driving a Camaro or what you would let a 15-year-old drive. Hopefully it's not a Camaro. But we've got to make sure that when we look at the Word of God, we listen to it. We do what it tells us to do. And that includes with our finances. If you want to use God's money wisely, treasure the word of God. There's going to be some verses that are up on the screen. Check these out. Proverbs 2, verse 1. My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Treasure my commands. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 14. Wise people treasure knowledge. Wise people treasure knowledge that comes from God. Psalms 119, verse 111. Your laws are my treasure. They're my heart's delight. And so above all that we have, above all the possessions we have, treasure the word of God. Above all that is in your bank accounts, treasure the word of God. Above all that the world has to offer, church, may we treasure the word of God of God. Listen to what it says. Do what it says. Put it into practice. And that includes with our money and with our finances. So what do you have to gain from learning this? What do you have to gain from leaning into the Word of God? It gives you peace. It gives you understanding. Who doesn't want peace when you look at your finances? I don't want stress. I don't want worry. I want to know that I can have peace when I look at that. It gives you the, the ability to know right from wrong. 
God's Word tells us what to treasure, how to be good stewards with what He's given us, how to plan and budget well. That we would be careful to devote ourselves to the right things and not devote ourselves to the wrong things. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. You just can't. It's not how it works. You can't serve both. If you want to serve God, simply look and turn to his rule book. And so if God spends so much time in his word talking about money, by all means, treasure the word of God. Treasure the word of God. And I do want to make a sign note to say this morning, while we are talking about money, while we are talking about finances, I just want to remind you guys and let you guys know you, you as an individual, you were purchased with a price. And that we see that we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And because of that, we have a debt. Just like you see in financial terms, we have a debt. And it's because of our sin that separates us from God. But Jesus steps in and pays the price for our sins. If we would just simply believe in him, confess that he is Lord, turn from our sins, then you too can be saved and experience this gift. Like so many sitting around you this morning have experienced this gift of God's eternal life that he gives us. Treasure the, treasure the word of God. Treasure God's word. Second takeaway this morning, give generously. Give generously. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, is going to be up on the screen. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Honor the Lord with your wealth. In taking care of what we have, we need to realize who has blessed us with it. We need to realize who has given it to us. There's going to be some stats up on the screen on giving. Now, this does not represent Holland Chapel. This does not represent Saline County. It does not represent the great state of Arkansas. It represents America uh, as a whole. Um, and it says only 3 to 5% of Americans who give to their local church do, uh, do so through regular giving, through regular tithes. The next stat says 5% of churchgoers give at least 10% of their income. Next stat says 15%. Give 2 to 10% of their income regularly. And then 80% give anywhere from 0 to 2%. And the stats um, uh, showing what Americans give who attend church. Now when it comes to giving, when it comes to making your offering, you may have heard, heard of the, the term tithe, uh, an offering or a gift. <clears throat> giving to God your first and best, giving to God your first and best is commonly referred to as a tithe. It's an Old Testament term translated, it means a tenth, one tenth. Um, it, it was a way that the Israelites, uh, a command they were given, in, uh, a way to pr uh, provide for the religious leaders, uh, for the priests. And they were to give 10% of the crops that they grew and their livestock. And so in the New Testament, we see that it talks about offerings. That we should give, as according to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, we should give in according to... Uh, in keeping with our income, in keeping with our income. Now, we don't see the actual term tithe in the New Testament, the way, it was in, the way it was used in the Old Testament. But the principle, the principle of giving is still there. It's still there in the New Testament. What we do see and what we are told in the New Testament is how we're to be generous givers, how we're to be cheerful givers, how we're to give sacrificially. With Jesus in the New Testament, uh, the new covenant comes. And Jesus quickly gets to the heart of issues. He gets to the heart of it. He did not come to abolish the law. He said, I've come to accomplish their purpose according to Matthew chapter 5. So when it comes to a tithe in the, in the New Testament, 
I think the reason behind it is more along the lines of this. Not so we can say, whew, man, we dodged a bullet there. It doesn't say tithe anywhere in the New Testament. So we don't got to do it. We don't got to worry about 10%. Rather, when you look at Scripture and how we're to be a cheerful giver, a sacrificial giver, be a generous giver, I think what it means rather is that we shouldn't look at, at a percentage and say that's going to limit our giving. As opposed to we can give above and beyond that. In light of all that God has done for us, why can't we blow that number up and be generous in our giving? A few questions you may have about giving. You may be asking, well, should I tithe? Should I give? Should I give an, off- uh, an offering? Well, yes. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, we just read, Honor the Lord with your wealth and the best part of everything you produce. Sometimes people ask, well, what about my time? Can I just give you my time as a tithe? No. Now, absolutely, you can serve. You can give up your time to serve God, to serve his church. We're told in the word of God to offer up ourselves as living sacrifices. But if you're holding back your possessions, if you're holding back your wealth, if you're holding back your finances, then what are you really worshiping? When it comes to money, we will either worship wealth or we will worship with our wealth. Sometimes people ask, well, well, how much should I tithe? How much should I give? How much is good enough? John Piper, a pastor and author, said this on tithing. Brothers and sisters, why would we want to do less? He says, for the person who's saying, do I have to give 10%? He says, they're getting off on the wrong foot immediately. Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive in Acts chapter 20. Why wouldn't giving be greater? Everything is greater in the new covenant. In Hebrews 8, it says that we have a better promises. We have a better covenant. So why wouldn't there be a better sacrifice from us in light of what God has done for us? Why wouldn't there be better giving from us because of what Jesus has done? And you say, well, well, I'm not as rich as others and I can't give as much. It's not about that. We see in Mark chapter 12 with the widow's offering, a number of people were giving their treasures, were giving their offering. And this widow shows up and gives two cents is all she had. It wasn't near the amount what others were giving. But Jesus doesn't look at the amount. He wants to know how much is left after you give. And the widow gave all. She gave all she had. Well, does our giving stop after a time? What about if I just give my tithe and offering? What then? It doesn't stop there. We can always give above and beyond. Above and beyond. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 through 25 says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. Pretty straightforward there. That when we give generously, we're blessed to be a blessing. When you give, you are blessing others, and in return, you receive a blessing through that. Many of you, I'm thankful to look at you guys, each of you guys, and know that there's a number of y'all, or you're sitting next to a number of people who have done that, who are doing that. And so you may be asking, well, what does giving generously look like? What does it look like to give above and beyond? Uh, Many of you do that through bringing folders. We've been collecting folders for a back-to-school drive. Many of you have been doing that, giving to service projects. Uh, Our students have been on three mission trips this summer. One, they're wrapping up now with our middle school students uh, up in West Memphis. And so many of you gave to service projects, which helped pay the way for our students. You went above and beyond in your giving by doing that. Uh, And and Amplify, uh, a a Christian music festival that's going to be taking place here in a few weeks. Many of you and your businesses give to that. 
uh, feeding the homeless, paying a kid's way to family farm uh, by, by sponsoring kids through Compassion International, taking a meal to a neighbor, uh, individually supporting a church plant, individually supporting a ministry, packing Christmas shoe boxes, feeding 30 kids for pull tour, bless your heart, and giving to 75 for 75. This campaign that we're doing so we can give away $75,000 collectively together as a church to other ministry partners. That's giving generously. It's going above and beyond. It's what we're called to do. It's what God has done for us. And in response, says, love, give. Uh, you're going to see up on the screen some 2021 numbers. We do an annual report um, uh, normally in January celebrating what God did the previous year. Uh, here's some numbers uh, from last year's budget. Um, last year, Holland Chapel gave $239,908 outside of our walls through missions and outreach. That's awesome. That's a big number. Last year, HC had its most offerings and contributions given ever by uh, an amount of $17,000. For, for the year 2022, this year, we're a little over halfway through the year, and currently we're on track to meet our budget. That's something to celebrate. That's something we can be thankful for. For our 75 for 75 campaign, uh, we're raising that $75,000. We're currently right around 50% uh, of that has been met, and we have two months left. We're trusting and believing that God wants to do great things through us together. And we're wanting to give that money away. Give generously. That's plain and simply what we're wanting to do. Now, this is not me as a pastor begging you for money. I'm thankful to stand here before you and say, H.C., Holland Chapel is a generous church. Holland Chapel is a blessed church. There are people who are faithfully doing this. In fact, this morning, I'd rather you not listen to my words, but just simply listen to the word of God. But H.C. is here today because of others and their generosity. And I want you to experience what God commands, what God tells you to do, what God tells me to do, what God tells us to do together. So that we, you, I can receive God's blessings the way he intended. But church, what all work could be done? Who all could be reached with the gospel? What lives could be changed by us stepping out in faith and giving? How much more of an impact could we have as a church? I get excited when I think about this, looking back on 75 years of H.C. For 75 years, H.C. has proclaimed the gospel. We've seen people respond to Jesus, follow Jesus in baptism. Children taught the truth of God's word. Marriages strengthened, our community loved on. Recovery celebrated. Churches planted, students poured into. Different ministries started. Food distributed, concerts put on. Widows cared for. Orphans loved and adopted. Young and old discipled and equipped. All because of a people being obedient to the word of God. Stepping out in faith and saying, we're going to do whatever it takes to reach every last one until they all know who Jesus is. That we would invest and invite in others. Helping people find and follow Jesus. That's our mission. And do whatever it takes. Church, let's go. Let's go. There's a story of a man named R.G. Letourneau. Uh, you're going to see some photos of him pop up on the screen. Uh, R.G. Letourneau uh, passed away in 1969. Uh, he was a Christian industrialist who dedicated his life to being a businessman for God. He had small beginnings, worked in moving dirt. His frustrations with dirt uh, with dirt moving, drove him to find a better, more efficient way. 
1922, he constructed the first all-welded scraper that was lighter, stronger, and less expensive than any other machines. Mr. Letourneau became the greatest obstacle mover in history, building huge earth-moving machines. I believe even today the largest front, make sure I'm pronouncing this right, front-end uh, loader um, is uh, the one, uh, the largest one in the world was made by Mr. Letourneau. So if any of you guys like to move heavy things, big things, you can give you a good Tim Allen grunt right now. We're like, right there. So he built huge earth-moving machines. He was successful designing and developing his own line of earth-moving equipment. He said, the question is not how much of my money I give to God, but rather how much of, my, how much of God's money I keep for myself. As he succeeded financially, he increased his giving to the point where he was giving 90% of his income to the Lord's work. He said, I shovel out the money and God shovels it back. The thing is, God has a bigger shovel. Latorno was convinced that he could not outgive God. His life's verse was Matthew 6, He says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Latorno said, You will never know what you can accomplish until you say a great big yes to the Lord. A great big yes. Based on the stats that I read earlier today, where it said only about 3 to 5% of people are giving regularly to their church, what, what could happen if that number was 30%? All across America, what if that number was 30%? What kind of kingdom impact would there be? What if that number was 60%? Church, what if here at Holland Chapel, over the next 75 years, 100% of the people in this church gave? What kind of a kingdom impact could we make? What if 100% of us decided to treasure God's word and value it above all other things? I'm not going to listen to what the world says. I'm not going to listen to these other voices, these other distractions, but simply treasure the word of God above everything else. We as a church, your pastors want it for you. We want you to have a heart of generosity like, like God does. We collectively as a church want that. And so would you say you treasure God's word, but your finances say otherwise? And I believe a lot of us in this room would say, absolutely, we treasure the word of God. But what does our bank statement say along with that? What do our finances say? What are you doing with what God has given you? Are you giving God your best? And church, simply put it like this way, by giving, we are investing in eternity. Investing in eternity. As George Strait said, I've never seen a hearse with a luggage rack. And so for us to make the most of while we are here, invest in eternity. Uh, there's going to be some next steps up on the screen. I uh, invite you to do the one that works best for you or all three of them. Number one is treasure the Word of God. Maybe your next step is to spend more time in the Word of God. Turn to it. Listen to it. Put it into practice. By all means, stop listening to other distractions, other voices, but treasure the Word of God. Turn to it and listen. Maybe for you, your next step is you may be struggling with making a budget. You may be struggling with debt. 
I'm here to say, I, I, I've been there. I, I've, I've taken this thing called Financial Peace University. You can go to financialpeace.com and learn some practical steps. It's actually a class we offer here as part of our HC groups. We offered it earlier this spring. Uh, we plan to offer it again in one of our upcoming HC group sessions. But it teaches you practical, biblical wisdom on how to handle your money. I invite you to go check that out. Get a handle on your finances. Maybe your next step is to simply step out and give. To trust God with your finances. And to invest in eternity. Invest in eternity. Look, I get it. It's a big step. It's hard to let go of these things. But when we get to the heart of the issue, what are we saying we value more than anything? Our relationship with God, the word of God, or our finances and money. Step out and be generous. Change eternity. Titus chapter 2 verse 14 says that Jesus Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. For his own possession who are zealous for good works. And so I know we're talking about possessions, finances, and wealth, but do not leave here today not knowing how God values you, that he calls you his. He treasures you and what he did for you. I'd love to make sure that you know how to have a relationship with Jesus if you don't already. That Jesus saw you in your sin and the mess that we were in and says, I'll step in and make the payment for you. That you can have a relationship with Jesus today. There's going to be somebody in what we call our Connect Corner later on that would love to have a conversation with you about how you can have this relationship with Jesus that will change your life. If you simply turn from your sins, believe in him. You will pray with me. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that we see in it, God. Sometimes when I look at this, I'm like, God, this is just tough. I don't want to let go of certain things. But your word says for us to be a generous giver, to be a cheerful giver. To be a sacrificial giver. I pray that we would just look at our finances. Look at what you have given us. And worship you with our wealth. Pray for those in here that just need to take one of those next steps. Whether it's treasuring your word. Getting a handle on their budget and finances and getting out of debt. Just to step out and give God. Help us to do just that. May we be the church throughout the week, Father. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.